Your Money Replay from Money FM 89.3. Money and Me on Your Money, only on Money FM 89.3. REITs have far surpassed the performance of the benchmark Straits Times Index. They are by far the star performers of this year. If you look at the FTSE ST REIT Index, the year-to-date gain is 18.9%. Outstanding if you think of the volatility surrounding us all and uh, also doing significantly higher than the 2.5% gain for the STI. Compare the 18.9% gain, 2.5% gain. Um, the numbers there brought to life by Carmen Lee, Head of Investment Research at OCBC Bank. So I thought we would look at REITs today with Royston Young, writer from The Motley Fool. Welcome back, Royston. Hi, good morning. Good Thanks morning. for having me here. Thanks for coming by on a big, tricky topic like REITs. I know you are armed with great research for mm-hmm. us. And by the way, if you have any questions, you can send them through and Royston, we will pick Royston's brain with your question at 9717-8893. Okay, let's start with the latest moves in the REIT market that you think people should be aware of. Okay, well, um, the latest uh, move is basically uh, Monetary Authority of Singapore, MES, is considering raising the gearing limit for REITs. Currently, it's 45%. But they are mulling to raise it to maybe even higher, like 50 or 60%. So this is to enable REITs to borrow more so that they can conduct more acquisitions and then uh, add value and increase the distribution per unit for unit holders. Mm, okay, mm. so this we've been talking about for some time. Mm. So that's the main development? Yeah, that's the current latest development for REITs that may change the entire um, landscape. Because right now, everybody, every REIT sorry, is constrained by their gearing limit of 45%. So then if you raise the limit, that means that REITs can be basically borrow more than what they currently can borrow and therefore they can carry out more acquisitions and add value to unit holders. So does that change the way as a retail investor you should be looking at those um, ratios and making your decision? Mm, I would say yes because then uh, if you look at a lot of the REITs now that are close to the gearing limit, 45%, this means that if they raise the limit, then you have a lot more headroom. But of course, you still have to stick to the strong REITs. I mean, um, it's back to basics. You still have to look at the fundamentals or the... Uh, look for the strong ones and avoid the weak ones. Okay, REITs are often seen as um, good for retirees. They want regular mm. dividends, mm-hmm. less volatile than the wider stock market. Mm-hmm. What would you say, Royston, makes REITs a really favourable and do you think they're a reliable form of investing here in Singapore? Yeah, I believe so. Um, basically, REITs, are, just to define it, it's actually just bundles of real estate. Um, they're just brought together and professionally managed. And um, because of the way they're structured, they also gain tax advantages. So then um, they don't have to pay corporate tax. You have to pay out at least 90% of earnings. So the idea of investing in REITs is basically to derive a stable source of income. So, I mean, that's why I tell all my friends, when you invest in REITs, look out for the income. People tend to look at the share price too much. Sometimes it goes up, it goes down. But as long as it generates stable rental income, it can pay you a consistent distribution. Look for these income. I like that. Nice and simple. You know, there's so much going on around us geopolitically. Mm -hmm. What do you think about investing in local REITs versus investing in foreign REITs? Mm -hmm. Okay, Uh, I think we have to first break it down into local versus foreign. Mm. Because um, actually when uh, the REITs universe first started out, I think it was uh, early 2002-2003, most of the REITs were considered local, meaning they just invested in local assets. 
So you have the Sanders Reed, Suntec Reed, those were the early ones. But now some of these reeds have actually ventured overseas. So you see a lot of reeds these days, they actually hold both local and overseas properties as well. So then you get more of the diversification and the exposure. And recently as well, you have more foreign reeds, meaning purely overseas reeds, like maybe some China reeds, India reeds, or even US reeds. So then uh, I would say that right now, local reeds have their own attractiveness because if you are leveraging on, for example, retail, you see all our malls are always full. You know? So that's one thing you can leverage on, the local uh, retail scene. Whereas if you want to look for foreign reeds, then you look for uh, features which are attractive for foreign reeds. Like for example, overseas, uh, they may have a lot of land that's freehold. Rather than for Singapore, you have a land tenure of, for example, 60 years for industrial REITs. So those are what you look out for for foreign REITs. That's what makes them more attractive. Or you can also get REITs that have a mix of both, so local and foreign as well. So it's really up to you as a unit holder. Are there generally, you know, we like REITs because they pay as dividends and they're thought of as, mm. you know, uh, less risky. Are there safer REITs mm. compared to other REITs in yeah, the REIT universe? I believe that the safer REITs, okay, the way I define safer is uh, how sustainable the distribution per unit or DPU is. So since you're relying on REITs for income, you actually have to see how well they can maintain that distribution. So what we look out for in this case is the whale, what we call the weighted average lease expiry. That's the first thing you look out for. So it's how long basically the REIT structures its lease. So for very long leases, you get a lot of visibility in terms of its income. So for example, if it's a three-year lease, you know that the tenant can pay this amount of uh, rental for three years. If it's an eight-year lease, even better. It means that there's stability and there's visibility. The next thing you look out for would be the strong sponsors. So, for example, the strong sponsors that are very well known in Singapore would be the Capital Land, the Frasers, the Maple Tree, and even Keppel. So, strong sponsors are there to provide support for the REIT, and also they have a pipeline of assets they can inject into the REIT. And I would say the next thing you look out for would be well-located properties. Mm. So, if your properties basically is about location, location, location. If you have very good properties, they are always in high demand by tenants. Even if you lose one tenant, you can find a replacement easily. Great thoughts there. 669-11893 if you'd like to jump in the conversation. 9717-8893 if you want to ask a question. Here's one. Given the gains in the REIT sector this year, are there any concerns that they may have already peaked? Is it too late to buy in? Mm, okay, I think that's a very good question because uh, a lot of people see that REITs, okay, the total return this year has uh, has been very impressive. Uh, but I think as long as you're looking at REITs as a source of income and not focusing too much on the share price, then there's still room to buy the good REITs. The good REITs are what I mentioned earlier. Those with strong sponsors, very good assets. If you're looking at a 4 to 5% yield, which is definitely higher than your fixed deposit rate. I think there are a lot of REITs out there that can still give you that kind of income over the long term. Okay, here's another listener question, Royston. Is it better to buy data center specific REITs such mm-hmm. as Keppel REIT or diversified industrial REITs with data centers as part of their portfolio? For example, Maple Tree Industrial REIT. Mm. Okay, well, I think it really depends on what you're looking for as an investor because for data centers loan, your question asked about that, right? It's actually a very specific and niche asset class. So right now we know that data is actually the new oil. That's what they say about data. Yes. So then Keppel DC Read, obviously, uh, it has a, an advantage there in that it deals only with data centers. But then as an investor, you're also being exposed to just one asset class. So if that asset class doesn't do well for any reason, then you're in trouble. So then Maple Tree Industrial, which you mentioned, has different types of industry 
industrial uh, subtypes. So then you get a, more of a diversified exposure. So I would say in a way it's safer in a sense because you're hedging your risk and you're not just putting all your eggs in, in one particular type of industrial real estate. Or you could be banking on, as you say so eloquently, mm. the fact that data is a new oil. Yep. Yeah, lovely. On the, the, the flip side, you know, we talked about safer REITs. Mm. Are there sort of riskier REITs to look at right at this moment? Yep. So I think uh, if we look at the flip side, um, riskier REITs will be basically just um, the reverse of what a safe REIT is, which is REITs that have no strong sponsor, uh, which means that you don't really have a ready pipeline of assets. So you've got to go out there into the market to hunt for assets, and it's not always easy to find good ones. And then these REITs also have high gearing. So if you're close to the 40% mark, usually it means that you don't want to breach that mark because then you're very close to 45%. So it means you don't have headroom, you probably need to have a rights issue. And um, I would say those weaker REITs are also uh, those with a history of declining distribution. So it could be because uh, some of their tenants may be unable to pay or maybe the rental reversion, which is basically what you get when you renew the leases, might be negative. So then in, in the case of such REITs, you actually see distribution per unit declining over the years. So that's actually evidence of a weak REIT. What do you think is an absolute no-go, Royston, when it comes to investing mm. in REIT? I mean, do you have some red flags? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think um, the first thing I'll tell people is don't just look at the dividend yield. Because uh, if you look at the dividend yield, actually this applies for everything, not just REITs. Mm. But if the headline dividend yield looks high, or rather too high, there's probably uh, some uh, warning bells going out. Like what, for example, what is too high? Yeah, if I see, for example, yeah. a REIT maybe returning 9%, for example, uh, I'm not saying that's high or low, but in, in general, to me, that looks very high. It might be because uh, the REIT is already pricing in a possible decline in distribution in future. So that's why if you look at the share price now, it's low. And then if you look at last 12 months, distribution, it seems to be at a certain level. You think, oh, it's high. Volatility is the name of the game in this particular historical point in time. So uh, do you have any tips on how you can look for REITs that could you know, be resilient and provide strong returns even in difficult times? Mm, yes. In fact, um, I think that what I mentioned about the strong REITs also applies in this case because if you have strong REITs, the tenants are strong, the REIT is able to generate a consistent rental income, then uh, you don't have to worry because as a unit holder, you just enjoy the income because the share price may fluctuate based on sentiment. People may feel that, okay, there's a trade war, you know, Trump and US and all that. That causes the share price to fluctuate. But what you know is that the REIT is still getting its income from strong tenants and you can sleep well at night. I like that. Mm-hmm. We need an hour's more sleep than we all get right now. <laughs> Did you know that? That's based no, on I research. Okay. We're going to do a show on that shortly. Um, what are your suggestions when it comes to REITs delivering income returns? How exactly mm-hmm. do REITs actually, how do they do that? Deliver income returns that are more attractive than other mainstream assets. Mm, okay, so basically what happens is REITs, they don't really reinvest their earnings. They pay out most of their earnings as dividends. So that's the reason why they can pay a rather high return. So for normal companies that produce goods and services, they always have to reinvest the earnings. Maybe they need to build a new factory or maybe they need to grow their business development division. But for REITs, they have to pay out 90% of their earnings. So that's one reason why. And also REITs employ leverage. So actually, basically, they borrow and then after that, they acquire. And when they acquire properties, these properties provide them with income. 
So that's the reason the gearing is actually increasing the returns as well. It's a bit like when you buy a physical property. You actually pay only 20% down payment and you borrow the rest from the bank and your return is actually very high because your actual cash outlay is very low. So that's how it works for REITs as well. We hear that property is becoming expensive Mm -hmm. uh, frequently when we talk to people from different geographic markets. So how exactly can REITs offer better value for money when we see property prices coming under pressure all over the world? So basically, REITs are a way for you to diversify your exposure. Okay, And um, I would say that people don't really value REITs always based on just the asset value. It's more on the income generating ability. So then uh, if you see uh, property values go up, it means that people are willing to pay more because they feel that properties are worth a premium. But to me at least, I look at how well it can generate income. So I feel that income is more, more important in this case than just looking purely at the property value. So that is a secondary concern because that more affects more of the gearing of the REIT rather than its income generating ability. So Royston, here's a question. How did you mm-hmm. get started in the field of REITs yourself? Oh, okay. Well, um, actually, it's very interesting. Um, I actually bought my first REIT when I first started investing back in 2004. So that was my very first investment, Suntech REIT, when it went for its IPO in December 2004. So that was my very first REIT. And after that, to be honest, I actually didn't touch REITs for quite a number of years because I didn't understand it very well. Until more recently, when um, I started reading up on the sector, I understood it better. A friend actually talked to me about it as well. And then um, maybe two years ago, I started buying uh, more REITs again in my portfolio. And how has Suntech REIT done since your 2004 acquisition? Ah, very interesting question. Mm. So, okay, if you add in all the dividends received plus the share price appreciation, it's probably done about 12% per year total returns since then. So, yeah, that's inclusive of all the dividend increases over the years, you know. Wow. Yeah. It's it's quite um, surprising, actually. Yeah, Yeah. for someone who was new to REITs at Mm -hmm. the time to have picked that clear winner. For the benefit of our listeners, they may not understand REITs too well. Can we talk a little bit about these uh, ratios, these key ratios? Mm -hmm. Let's start with the risk-reward ratio Mm -hmm. and how a a listener could use this to assess the, the value of their REIT investment. Okay, so basically, uh, the word risk-reward, I think we'll look at basically both sides of it. So then you're looking at the reward. The reward to me would be how consistent uh, the DPU will be, how uh, consistently you can get your income, and of course, you hope that it doesn't decline. Uh, so that is the reward that you're, you're looking for. So the risk that you want to watch out for is, as I mentioned, how strong your sponsors are, you know, how strong your tenants are, how good the properties are, and all those. So you have to balance out. You have to see whether uh, all those attributes actually contribute to a sustainable and consistent DPU. So you, that, that's what you have to weigh as an investor. So if you want, for example, very high DPU, then you've got to make sure that there's no risk on the horizon that may actually cause the DPU to fall. Okay, another listener question coming through. Great to have all these questions coming by. It's it's very clear that REITs are a hot topic. Okay, so here is the question. REITs are always issuing rights. Does this mean investor shares will be diluted? Okay, so regarding rights issues, okay, this is a bit of a tricky question Hmm. because it really depends on the type of acquisition and also the discount that's given when the REIT issues rights shares. So uh, let me give an example. Okay. So for example, the the REIT may be trading at $1. It says it wants to make a big acquisition that will increase your DPU and it has a rights issue like maybe at a 5% discount. So as a shareholder, you can buy more shares at 95 cents. So then you have to uh, figure out if you buy at 95 cents with the enhanced or uh, higher DPU, are you earning a better yield compared to what you were earning before 
the REIT embarked on this acquisition. So I would say that a few things to look out for. You must ensure that the discount to the last done share price is not too great. If not, then the active factor is actually very high. And also, the acquisition must be yield accretive, meaning that it must have benefits. Maybe it diversifies the portfolio further. It actually gives you more benefits. You know, it, it lowers overall gearing. So then uh, you have to look at the merits of the acquisition plus the discount given for the right shares. These are the two things to look out for. Very clear. Tricky though, trying to figure Mm. out the um, accretive. Mm. Yeah, Very tricky. Tricky. Okay, number two, next question. Based on this year's run-up and your weighted opinion on income generative power, is it enough Mm -hmm. to ignore the premium above the NAV? Mm. Uh, For example, a higher price to NAV like 1.37 from Maple Tree Comptroller trust at 4.165 per annum dividend. Wow, mm. specific. Yeah, actually I've looked at a lot of the valuations for some of the better REITs and yes, you're right, they're actually trading at maybe 1.3, 1.4 times the book whereas the so-called weaker REITs may be trading close to book value or even at a discount to book value. So I would say that as I mentioned earlier, I look more at the way the REIT generates income and how well it can sustain the income. So basically, how investors feel about the REIT, let's say if they feel that maple tree REITs are strong, they will tend to pay a premium for the assets of that REIT. That's the reason why you see it trading at maybe price to book of 1.3. So that actually is a reflection of investors' sentiment on how strong the REIT is. So I see that as actually a good thing. If a REIT is trading at a premium, it shows that people feel that it's very stable, it's strong, and it can be depended upon. So then I would actually, as an investor, look for more how well it can sustain its income. And as long as it's a good read, as I defined earlier, I would think that you can still actually buy it. Okay. I actually don't want to let you go because you're such fun to talk to when it comes to reads. But I have to. So before we end off again, the theme seems to be volatility. What are some misconceptions that you think are important to address that may throw people off reads at this time? Ah, okay. Well, some people may feel that reads, you know, they're always constantly borrowing and that's very risky because after all, debt, uh, as you always said, debt is a very risky thing. But the good thing about reads is that all the debt is actually tied to real physical assets. So you have that backing your debt. So in a way, I mean, unless touch wood, we have another banking crisis and the banks collapse, there's no way that REITs can't roll over their debt because then you have the collateral as your real estate. And people may also feel that, you know, during a crisis, would REITs actually slash their dividends because they see some companies slashing their dividends, you know, drastically during a crisis. But for me, the way I look at it is because REITs, uh, they actually rely on rental income. As long as your tenants are doing fine, if they're all the Googles and Facebooks of the world, they're not going to go bust even during a crisis. Then it's perfectly okay to invest in REITs even during a crisis. You read him on The Motley Fool. You just heard him here on Money FM. Royston Young, writer from The Motley Fool, thank you so much for being with us. Thanks a lot. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download the SPH Radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.